welcome to the Victorious Living Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Young, and with me today is a very special co-host, my husband and executive producer, Rodney Young Jr. Right. It's nice to be on this side of the camera. Yes. So we're so excited to talk to you. We have a themed season, and we are talking about all season long surviving toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're titling today's episode, Story Time, Surviving Toxic Families. All right. Ooh. All right. So let's get into it. First of all, it's important to note what makes a family toxic. Now, I did some digging. Of course, I know some things from personal experiences, but I wanted to see what different psychological journals had to say, different articles by therapists. And so some things that I found, and uh, one was a list of several things that make a family a toxic environment. One of the first things is straight off the bat, they're just abusive. And abuse disguised as jokes is still abuse. So if someone is constantly insulting you or ragging on you, and then whenever you call them out on it, oh, I was just playing. Quit being so sensitive. (laughs) Being too sensitive. So that's considered abuse. Mm -hmm. So they're always criticizing you or blaming you. Um, If you're in a family system where nobody ever, like the people who are abusive, never takes responsibility for their actions, they're just never wrong. You always are, but they're never wrong. That's an example of a toxic family when people are manipulative. Go back and watch the episode we did on gaslighting. Woof, that's an eye-opener. Basically, a household that's toxic is just unpredictable. The abusive members of the family are ticking time bombs. You never know what's going to set them off. Everybody has to walk around on eggshells around them because you don't know, you know, what's going to cause them to go into orbit. You always have to be mindful of what mood they're in or what their feelings are, but they never have to be mindful of your feelings, wants, or needs. Hmm. That is a toxic family. Uh, What else did they say? Oh, this is a good one. If there's siblings, there's a sense of competition. And sometimes siblings can even be pitted against each other by the dysfunctional parent. Um, treating, Showing differentiation between the kids. Treating one person like crap and treating another person like they walk on gold and can do no wrong. So sibling rivalry is not like a... It, it actually... Stems from the way they're treated. Yeah. Is that what this yeah. is saying? Sometimes the toxicity and the sibling rivalry can stem from, you know, one sibling just being a narcissist and wanting all of the attention and, hmm. you know, just having some issues. But a lot of it can also be hmm. because parents have shown distinct differences in how the kids are treated. Well, that's naturally going to cause a rift between the two siblings. Think of yeah, favoritism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think about even in the story in the Bible where, you know, Joseph was the clear favorite of all (laughs) his brothers. And he knew it. He knew it and they knew it. You know, he was given a special coat of many colors to wear and, you know, he was just constantly treated. Rainbow starter jacket. (laughs) 
He had a rainbow starter jacket. Y'all are probably jacket. not old enough, some of you, to know what yeah. a starter jacket is. He but, had a starter uh, jacket, and he got they got the other brothers, the what? The pal- pro players. The pro players. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we want a rainbow starter jacket, too. We got this old funky pro player jacket. Did you have a starter jacket? I did. I, I, I was forbidden. Like, it was no. not going to happen. It was too dangerous. Yeah. Too dangerous. You know, yeah, too many people got killed over starter jackets yeah. in the 90s. My starter jacket is, it may be outside in our garage because it stayed in my bedroom at my father's house. And when my father moved away, I cleared all my stuff out of my closet. So it's probably still out there somewhere. Right. Looking brand new because I grew up in the hood. And I can count on one hand the amount of times I wore my starter jacket oh, for the same reason. I bet, yeah. My mom saw <laughs> the news and saw kids getting shot over starter jackets. And that was the end of that. So Joseph pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph and his rainbow colored starter jacket caused problems. Got it. The other brothers grew to hate Joseph mm-hmm. because... Can you imagine how they felt? Now, we talk about this story, you know, we've heard it preached and, you know, they're the villains in the story because faking your brother's death and throwing him in a pit and selling him into slavery is bad. It's we a little can, extreme. It's a, it's a bit extreme. They were actually going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, and it was, what, was it Reuben that said, hey, yeah. let's maybe not kill him. Yeah, at least make some money off of him. You know, but he was really just trying to save his brother's yeah. life and yeah. thank God because he did. But then he still was like sold into slavery. Yeah. I think he's, I think it said like his plan was to wait until the older mean brothers left and then go back and let Joseph out of the pit. That was what he was hoping to do. But when he went back to get on the brothers had already sold him or something. However, the story went. Yeah. Basically, the all civil, of that. Sibling rivalry. Yeah. yeah. We can look at them as the villains. But what's not preached as much and really should be looked at is that the parents created an environment that was conducive for hatred and jealousy of that magnitude to grow and flourish to the extent that, you know, the other brothers, they felt like no matter what they did, it wasn't good enough for their father. It wasn't, they were never going to have the same love and admiration that Joseph had. And it drove them crazy and they did what they did. So it was a toxic family. That was a toxic, toxic family so um parents who do that with your kids stop it you are going to have to answer to god for why you chose to treat your children so differently there's no way that those children could ever be friends or get along or have a functioning relationship um because of the parent in the situation that's made that impossible Um, Okay, so now that we've kind of discussed some things that make families toxic, uh, Rodney and I are actually going to share a bit of our testimonies with you, our own experiences with toxic families, and um, you may see yourself in some of these stories. You may be like, oh my God, I've experienced something similar, you know, and it's good to talk about this stuff because when you're going through it, you kind of feel like alone because you feel like I'm the only person or everyone else's family is normal. Why am I dealing with this? It's kind of, it's embarrassing. So nobody really talks about it. I know I've never really discussed 
my experience with toxic families, there's like a few people who know me really, really, really well. And those people know, you know, my experiences, but it's not something I've ever discussed publicly. So this is a Victoria's Living Solutions exclusive. Dun, dun, dun. So you're about to spill the tea. I'm about to spill the tea. But now listen. Okay. So, <laughs> so listen. So this is the thing. Uh, I'm going to spill the tea. I don't even know if spill is an adequate word. Pour. We're going to carefully yeah, pour, into pour a bowl. the tea. <laughs> We're not going to carelessly dump the tea. Uh, so people's names will be withheld and, you know, things of that nature. But, um, yeah, let's just go. There's no easy way to do it. Okay. So I'll go first. My... Experience with toxic families. Uh, first, I was the daughter. I was the only child, and so my parents got married, and then divorced, and then remarried, and then divorced again. So <laughs> I know, crazy, right? I was born in the second marriage. During the first marriage, my mother had five. Five, one, two, three, four, five miscarriages. Uh, she had uh, autoimmune disease, and she, not a lot of was known about it at the time. But she had lupus, and she was told she couldn't have kids or shouldn't have kids uh, because of the nature of her autoimmune disease. But you know, she really wanted a kid. Okay. And she finally got the kid she yeah. wanted, and then the family went kaput. So. <laughs> My upbringing as a result of that was a lot different than it could have been. Instead of getting to grow up in a nice home in a middle-class neighborhood, I grew up in a housing project with a single mom who wasn't able to work regular jobs because she had dialysis treatments four to five days a week. So, you know, my family didn't function in the original intention that God wanted it to function. But despite that, I had a pretty peaceful upbringing with just me and my mom. Uh, the neighborhood that we lived in wasn't peaceful, but things were pretty good. It wasn't until 1995 when my mother passed away that things got rocky. It was definitely one of those scenarios, I would say, where you don't know or appreciate how good you have it until things change and you don't have that life anymore. So I went from a peaceful environment with just me and my mom. You know, she made sure I was in church. God was a big part of our lives. My mom was a Sunday school teacher at one point. To living in various homes where God was either not present or wasn't the focal point. And there was just a whole lot of toxic stuff going on. Now, my 14-year-old self, because that's how old I was at the time when the crap hit the fan. Uh, I knew that what was happening wasn't normal, um, but it was, you know, my cousins that were in the situation, it was all they knew. So to them, what I saw as highly dysfunctional and what the heck is going on here, they just saw as normal. Okay. Uh, I lived in three different households between 1995 and 1999 mainly because I lived with my father first after my mother's passing, and it just turned out to be too much change at one time. I was very unhappy. I wanted to go back to 
Oklahoma, where I grew up, and attend this magnet school that I was really excited about going to. And so my dad, he agreed. He said, you know, it's a bit too much. She's not happy. You know, he talked to my family members and said, can she come stay there until after high school? And then she can come back here. And everybody agreed. Everything is fine. Well, the first place I lived, that was my crash course in toxic families. There was one toxic family member in particular who was alcoholic, had a very volatile personality where anything could set him off at any given moment. If you said one thing wrong, you could end up on a couch being lectured at and verbally abused for anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours. Brutal, brutal. Um, This person was, right now, everything I know about toxic people, I can definitively say this person was a narcissist. Very abusive, verbally, mentally, psychologically. And I don't know if it was just because I was the new kid on the block or whatever, but for some reason, He tended to pick on me more than other people in the family. I became the scapegoat Um, at a time when I was already dealing with a lot of trauma, having lost a parent. It got to a point where I couldn't long, long, long story short, I decided after a year and a half of dealing with this that I couldn't deal with it anymore. It was just impacting me too much. It was hard for me to focus at school. You know, my grades were suffering. Um, I was just going through a lot and I just decided that I needed to have peace. I decided this at 15 years old. I decided peace was not going to be possible living under the same roof as somebody this volatile. Uh, So I talked to my father about it. I remember going up to Chicago for the summer like I did every year. And I was kind of dreading talking to my dad about it because, you know, my dad, he I love my dad. Shout out to my dad. My daddy, he he a goon. Okay, he gonna go hard for his kids. So I was like, you know, he one of them parents that you kind of don't tell the whole story to because, (laughs) You don't have any control over what's going to happen after that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just kind of very timidly, and I left out a bunch. I didn't tell him all the details I could have told him, but I was like, "Um, Dad, I don't think I should stay with such and such anymore. He's like, well, why? Um, (laughs) It's just not working out, and he's really mean to me, and he's just like, okay. You know, um, it's like, I'm gonna make some calls. So he made some calls. He found another relative um, for me to stay with. Now, at this point, I'm halfway done with high school. I'm halfway done. I got two more years. And so um, he talks to another relative. Can she stay there so she can complete her high school career? You know, after graduation, you know, she can just come back up here and everything is hunky dory. They agreed. Okay, the situation is set. So I'm I'm happy. I'm like, woof, uh, you know, when you finally get up the courage to tell, to confront a difficult situation, it's like, okay, that's a weight off of me. I don't have to worry about it. I'm gonna just go home, pack my stuff, tell them thanks for everything and peace out. Go stay with the other relative. Everything's gonna be fine. Spoiler alert, it was not fine. This narcissistic relative hit the roof. 
as narcissists so often do. It wasn't even that he wanted me staying there because he always, he treated me like he couldn't stand me, but he wanted to be able to have control over when or if I left. And so he was furious that I had made that decision for myself. And not so furious that he would no longer have access to my survivor's social security check benefits that I got every month. When you lose a parent before the age of 18, you get a check. And he had been pocketing that entire check every month. So even longer story short, when I left, I had the clothes on my back and I was not allowed to go into the house to get the rest of my things. He, and to this day, I don't know what happened to my stuff, y'all. He got rid of all of my stuff. I don't know if he burned it, threw it in the city dumpster. I don't know. All I know is I had to start all over. I lost everything that I had. There were a few things that I was able to reclaim because cousins would be like, hey, he's not here. If you want to come over and see if you, you know, they would try to see if they could look for some of my stuff or find it and, you know, sneak it to me. But I pretty much lost everything after that. Um, and when I went to the next relative's house, things were not much better. Things were better at first, but then I started to see some toxic things about that placement too. I had a, a very volatile, hot-headed, narcissistic, probably bipolar, I can't even tell you how many personality issues, cousin. Um, and so living in the house with him was a ticking time bomb. You never knew what to expect, what was going to happen. And his parents had no control over anything that he did. It was an environment that felt very unsafe as well. Uh, I even went through an issue my senior year. And I, at this point, I was just like, Lord, just help me make it to graduation. <laughs> I'm like on fumes here. Like, I just, I'm just going to graduate and love these people with the love of the Lord from afar. I'm about to go far away. Ain't nobody going to have to worry about me after this. I'm just trying to get to the finish line. I was sexually harassed by a male relative. And he literally made a sexual advance toward me. Uh, I was mortified, didn't know what to do, but I knew I had to do something. And I told immediately, I was like, mm -mm, oh no, that's not going to happen. I had sense enough to know if I don't say anything, he's only going to keep escalating this behavior. And baby, I ain't doing that. So I lost all my stuff once. <laughs> if I lose it again, I don't care, but I ain't finna do that. Um, and I wasn't believed. I wasn't believed. It was, oh, you know, she's fast or she did something or I don't know. I just wasn't believed. But the fact that I, I told did cause him to stop the behavior. Um, and that was pretty much my experience with toxic families. I will say in setting up Rodney's story that throughout that whole experience, to cope, I would write in my journal a lot and I would design the family that I wanted. I was like, I, when I get grown mm -hmm. and I'm able to have a family of my own, we're not going to have none of this foolishness in my house. I literally sat and I envisioned the kind of husband I wanted, the kind of kids that I wanted and prayed over it. My teenage wretched self. I was just like, <laughs> you know, like 
I'm not giving up on the institution of family. I know that it's going to be great. It's just that I clearly am going to, if I want to have a normal family, I'm going to have to make it at this point. That's the only way it's going to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I probably should have prayed a little harder about um, <laughs> my in-laws. Hallelujah. But, amen. We're going to get to Rodney now. That's my experience with toxic families. <laughs> Um, I clearly married well. That went well. Uh, but honey, what about you? What is your experience with toxic families? Well, my experience has everything to do with being an adult, really. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an adult, I, I met this amazing, awesome, awesome woman. And, you know, I, I did the whole thing, right? You know, we dated, introduced her to the family. Uh, she got to meet many of my family. You've met many of my family members actually years prior to. Yeah. Um, years prior to our engagement and marriage. Um, and so. And they we were, got along great. They were actually pretty familiar with you. Yeah. And so um, when, when, after we proposed and we were getting towards the wedding, mm -hmm. I had a family member who began to strongly mistreat my, my fiance at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was a situation where, it was very obvious that there was an issue. Um, this person was disrespect, very disrespectful towards her. And so I said, you know, we need to find out what's going on. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, we both talked to this family member and said, hey, was there was there anything that, that you know, that we did or anything that, that she did that, you know, that, that maybe we didn't know, right? And you even came along and said that. Yeah. Long story short, you know, this person refused to treat her well. Yeah. Um, you know, told her, I just don't like you. <laughs> I mean, just just I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't like you, you're fake, you're phony, uh, but had no grounds. Like there yeah. was there was not like, okay, you did this and it hurt me. Right. So, you know, I'm always about, hey, what can I do to make things better? Right. Yeah. And I think I've always been that type of person. I've always been pretty forthcoming, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm willing to admit I'm wrong, that type of thing. And so uh, it was a situation where the person was refusing to treat her well. And this was three weeks before our wedding. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, I had to make a boundary. You know, this person was going to be in the wedding. Mm -hmm. And so we decided, and, you know, I really decided this, you know, say, hey, we got, we're going to have to do this because we have to protect the union. And so we dismissed that person from the wedding party. And then all hell broke loose. I promise you, man. All hell, all hell broke loose. Ooh, and family members uh, were contacting me, uh, you know, to put pressure on me to keep this person in the wedding. And although the person was not repentant. Yeah. And so we went on with our decision. You know, we decided, hey, no, this is this is this is a boundary. We have to set a boundary. And I had to set a boundary. I had to set a precedent for myself because if I'm gonna get married and I'm gonna allow family members to, you know, up in my household, that's not gonna be a good well, first off, she wouldn't have went through with it. I already know that. So <laughs> But that was a that was a decision, and I I didn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I didn't see coming. You know, I grew up in a pretty great household, and so, I you know, great family, you know, great extended family, you know. So it was something that was out of the blue, and I think that that's a testament to the fact that you can come from a great family and you can still have issues because one, people aren't perfect, yeah. and we all have different issues we're dealing with. But this one was toxic, and because it 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 infringed on the relationship that 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 we had, mm -hmm. and so 
you know, this person in the family, you know, once again, just, you know, we decided, okay, this is not what's going to happen. Well, you know, this was an influential person. So they started talking to other family members. Other family members started, you know, they, they like tried to ambush us one time. We went out. They want to have a whole intervention. <laughs> ambush us about why we, why we treated this, this family member mm-hmm. this way. And once again, they not knowing the details of the situation. Um, and it was very, very, very toxic. Very yeah. toxic. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's corner you and try to confront you about basically putting and boundaries. Enforce an apology. Enforce an apology. To when, someone who was clearly not owed an apology. They owed us one. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. this was, you know, this was very different because, once again, I was not expecting to have to deal with anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, th- it persisted. And so, you know, years go by, you know, when you don't really deal with issues and you have family members, you still see each other. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You know, we still saw this person. Um, but, you know, it was never really resolved. And so there was still an ing- something under the surface that was brewing and it eventually got to another family member. And so then this family member had a great relationship with us, mm-hmm. you know, and spent time with this person. All of a sudden, the relationship start- started shifting. Mm-hmm. And this person started doing to her the exact same thing that the first family member did. Mm-hmm. And it was so unfounded. Completely we were, unprovoked. We were just like, where is this coming from? Once again, and this is right around the birth of my son, mm-hmm. you know, so once again, big, you'll notice this, you know, toxic family relationships really start flaring up around big events. Yes. Weddings, funerals, Weddings, funerals, and births. Like those three things, the trifecta, right? Yes. Um, you could you could time it, you know, like like a like like a watch. You know, you could you could look mm-hmm. at it and okay, yeah, this is if you have a toxic family member and a big event like that happens, you can bet that something might might kick off. Mm-hmm. That said, another boundary had to be drawn because this family member was now, you know, disrespecting my wife. Now, once again, this, this, I'm going to confront the situation because it, you know, this is my family, right? This is mm-hmm. my family. So I contacted this individual, tried to, you know, find out, hey, what's going on? Went to them directly, you know. Then the other family member who had an issue <laughs> butts in the situation. It says, had nothing to do with her. Leave them alone. I'm like, okay. So, you know, now we have a situation where we have multiple family members trying to come together, mm-hmm. you know, against me. And once again, this is all new to me. What at this point it wasn't new, but this was something that was very difficult to deal with. And I didn't realize how much it was affecting me. Yeah. You know, I really didn't realize how much it was affecting me. Um, we tried everything from even family counseling, you know, yeah. even a family counseling session, which, you know, was like the family counseling session from hell. I promise you. <laughs> like, like I saw, I saw Beelzebub in there just, just, I mean, just chilling. Just full on demonic um, manifestations. Yeah. And so once again, indignant, they didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of gaslighting. I didn't say that. Uh, or, you know, and, and and I clearly you said it, you know, mm-hmm. but once again, there were situations where I was I thought I was going crazy. I'm like, I know, <laughs> you know, I know what happened, you yeah. know, and there were so many manipulation tactics in, in those situations. Other family members, you know, were more on the periphery at that point. But uh, these family members who were really bringing the attack, you know were people who I really respected and really loved. And yeah. so it was really 
it was a difficult situation. I had to put str- more stringent boundaries on our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, I, I stopped talking to these people on the phone. You know, I, I, I stopped getting together with them. Um, it was very, very difficult. Yeah. And um, because once again, these are people I love and respected, but you can't just disrespect me and my family and think it's going to be all good. Yeah. And, and think so, we're still going to come over to hang out with you and willfully be verbally abused. Yeah. <laughs> now, at that point, it was all about taking a stand for my family and the principles of family. Right. So yeah. my household, my marriage, you know, my marriage is the number one relationship that I have. You know, it's, the, it's it, and so my thing is, if you're coming against that, you're coming against me, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it turned into it, it. That's where it started. But then there were other there was another family member. This was the hardest. You know, there was another family member who eventually began to test my boundaries concerning that relation, those those other relationships, Mm -hmm. putting once again, putting pressure, you know, on me to, you know, to just just make amends. Well, how do you make amends with someone who doesn't think they did anything wrong? You can't do it. Yeah. And so there was enormous pressure Mm -hmm. for me to engage in those relationships Although there was no change in the relationships, there was no change in them thinking that, you know, oh, maybe I did something wrong. There was no change. So the pressure to continue to, you know, try to try to push my buttons on phone calls and and everything drove me to have to go no contact with this family member. And it was very difficult because, once again, this was someone I deeply loved and respected. Yeah. And it was it was not until then that I realized, wait, <laughs> this is not just about protecting my wife or my marriage. This is really about protecting my heart yeah. because I realized that the, you know, all the abuse, you know, the, and, and I'm talking about verbal abuse. There were no blows, you know, or anything like that. Um, but the verbal abuse, you know, the mental abuse, the accusations, you know, the, you know, like this person I went in no contact with. You know, disrespected me in front of my wife and children, called me weak, you know, called me names and insinuated that that I just wasn't worthy. And when you hear that from someone you love and that you really respect, it affects you deeply. Yeah. And so I realized if I continue to talk to this person in this state while they're not repentant about this, it's going to affect me. Yeah, it's going to affect me. I'm not going to feel good about myself. And as a result, I'm not going to be able to be there for my family. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized the effect that it had on me and I'm like, you know, even the other situations with the other family members who were coming against my wife, but really disrespecting my boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, disrespecting me as a person, I, I'm like, I can't continue to put myself in a situation like that. It's amazing what happened when I made those boundaries. All of a sudden, it's like I could breathe again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, OK, you know, I can actually live life with a sense of boldness, with a mm-hmm. sense of excitement. Confidence. Um, there were there were things that seemed to be unrelated, you know, blessings, you know, and ideas. It seemed like I just had more breathing room. And creativity. Yeah, a lot yeah. of creativity. You know, things like this podcast were birthed during that time. And, mm-hmm. you know, things that, that, that we've always wanted to do. But what it was was that being in those relationships and, you know, just taking the little jabs and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that. I thought, well, okay, I'm walking in love. I just need to just just take it. It won't affect me. It was affecting me. Mm. It was affecting me. And, you know, making those boundaries was key. Um, one of those relationships, 
uh, I was able to come into contact with that individual again. Um, but under, and once again, very limited, you know, still boundaries there, you yeah. know, but, you know, after over a year of no contact, um, all of a sudden my boundaries were respected. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden there was at least a respect for boundaries. And so sometimes you have to be willing to put a relationship on the altar, you know, in order for there to be that room. And so that's, that's what I went through. Yeah. So I know that was a lot. Uh, there's a lot of lessons that we each learned from our individual experiences and then from our corporate experiences, um, experiencing toxic families as a married couple. And uh, just a disclaimer, I have to throw this out there. So I know he said his toxic family issues, you know, a lot of it during adulthood, but I just have to put the disclaimer out there that there were clearly issues before I yeah, came into the yeah. picture. And, I, and I'll say that, right, because nothing just happens. Yeah. Right? People, people, you know, like, behavior like that is learned. I will say I never had to deal with it. Mm-mm. You know, I never, it, it never came full, like right in front of you. Like, you know, here's the issue. Uh, it was not so clear until until we were about to get married. And I think that that is by design, because like you said, when you hit a really pivotal transitional moment, that is when the devil likes to rear his ugly head. Yeah, um, And weddings, sure. you know, a lot of family dynamics have to change when a new yeah. person Everything changes. enters the picture. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. You know, it's just some adjustments have to be made. And, you know, people who are normal, functioning, non-toxic people, you know, they may feel a little bit like, oh, this is an adjustment, but they make it and they move on and nothing happens. But people who are toxic or have any kind of antisocial, narcissistic personality, cluster B, something, when a new person comes into the fold, they are immediately threatened, feel territorial and want to attack the new person. You know, I mean, one of the things that that I went through while we were walking is so we walked this out together. Yeah. Um, it was like I was in denial. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I didn't want, I did not want to believe that this was the, the true state of the people that I loved so dearly. You know, I didn't want to believe that. And I think that a lot of people end up in situations like that, right? Where they're mm-hmm. they got a family member that's toxic or they have a toxic relationship. You know, and just to, just the realization mm-hmm. that I got a toxic family member, yeah, or I got or I got a, a toxic relationship. You know, I, it took me a, a while to just embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> it did, it did. Um, you don't want to believe that. You know, you want to believe that your family is okay. You know, and because you have good memories with them too, exactly. Like every exactly. moment isn't a bad moment, exactly. And so, you know, for me, that was a big deal. Just getting over the fact that. This is real. This is reality. This is yeah. what you're. This is what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was that was really really difficult. One of the things though that was key about this, you know, in a marriage situation, is that I received no pressure from my wife to do this. Um, you know, she she set her own personal boundaries. Yeah. As it related to my family members who were being abusive, so she was like, okay, you know, y- y'all can do that over there. Um, you get invited to the block party. You get invited to the block Big party. Big old block party. Uh, and, and so 
she had her own personal boundaries, which, by the way, is blocked key, on right? all platforms since because, 2017. Because <laughs> even though you're in a because you're in a marriage, doesn't mean that like everything is all one, right? We have individuality. We respect each other's space, yeah. And we have our own, you know, boundaries personally. But I never got any any pressure from mm-hmm. her, and I thank you for that because because of that, I was able to see the situation pretty clearly. You know, she saw it clearly from the jump because you know when you come into a situation and you just heard her background. Yeah, I mean, you just heard where she came from. She had a lot more experiences with toxic family members or toxic relationships than I had at that point. And mm-hmm. so she already knew crazy when she could see it. You know, she could see it coming. Right. But for me, I had to slowly come to realization that this is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that Keith Sweat song. Something, 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 <laughs> something just ain't right. <laughs> right. But I think if you would have tried to push me, mm-hmm. you know, and you would have tried to. That could have created friction between yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I would have been like, what are you talking and about? And that was the enemy's goal, to be honest. Right. One, one of many goals. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. But at the end of the day, it was all about, let me use some people who Rodney really loves and respects um, to dig into his, his, his identity. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's uh, throw shame out there. You know, where, you know, you should be ashamed because you know, you're, you're supposed to be a Christian. Aren't you supposed to be more forgiving? Mm-hmm. You know, and I had to be, I had to be real patient, even with other family members who didn't know the situation. Right. Yeah. So I had to be patient with them because some of them, you know, not many, but some of them even tried to confront me without knowing the situation. And I had to kindly tell them, that's between me and that family mm-hmm. member. So right. we're not going to talk about it, but keep praying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will say this, like family members, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you have a cousin or a nephew or a somebody that's having a conflict with someone in their immediate family, just stay out of it. Because yeah. I guarantee you, whatever you were told by the family member that's probably causing all the trouble is like not even half the story. Well, yeah, I mean, and 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 the thing, the truth is that even if family members would have just heard my side of the story, they would have only heard my side of the story. Yeah, you know, they wouldn't have heard the side of the story of the people who were on the other side of it. So, so it's just best to let people yeah. work it out between them. The more and more people that meddle and try to get involved, it makes the issue bigger than what it has to be because now it's just not an issue in that family. Now it's ballooned into. An issue with the entire extended family. Yeah, it turns into a monster. Yeah. So I don't believe in, you know, telling other people, you know, about my issues with this family member or this, you know. Right. And, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times it's not even, you know, people don't do it with even a bad intent. Mm-hmm. They're really trying to like, hey, Help I, mediate I, the I situation. love the family and I don't I don't want to see people, you know, in conflict. Um, but it doesn't help many times depending on the situation. And this situation was definitely one of those. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't, it, it definitely didn't help to try to, you know, share it and because it wouldn't, it wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. And so my thing is, Hey, you know, set your boundaries. Um, I've had to do that and I'm very comfortable now with set, setting boundaries. Very comfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was something that was, I had to grow, right? Boundaries <laughs> are your friend. I had to grow, but, yeah. you know, because I respect and love myself, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just like have no boundaries or have weak boundaries. I have to have appropriate boundaries for every situation. Yeah. And so another thing that I did to cope, we both became boundary setting champions. Um, we both 
went to therapy yes um, individually because just getting out of a situation is not really enough that's step one though get away from the offending parties because just from a spiritual standpoint you're supposed to forgive people it's really hard to forgive people while you're still in the presence of the person who is still actively pushing buttons actively offending you not apologetic about it at all. It's a lot easier to forgive people from afar. So, hey, question. So for you, those family members who, you know, you left town. I mean, she yeah. did. She graduated and was like, I'm Bye. out. I'm going to Chicago to meet me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, was it like, did you find forgiveness easier once you were out of the situation? I definitely did. Um, I definitely had a lot more clarity to see situations for what they really were. I spent like a lot of time as a college freshman and throughout my four years of, you know, I'm finally away from home. I'm over 18. I'm an adult on my own. Yeah. I spent that time. uh, I call it, what did I call it? Deprogramming. Yes. Hmm. Deprogramming. So I'm going to give you guys three steps for what to do after. Okay, I left. I went no contact. Now what? Or you set the boundaries or whatever, even if it's not no contact. Right. Right. Yeah. And so deprogramming myself, because when you go through situations with toxic family members, you are fed a lot of messages, both literally and subconsciously. Man. Yeah, the devil is doing a number on your mental. And so you have to deprogram from all of the garbage that the devil dumps on you in situations like that. And let me say, that deprogramming is like, I'm I'm still walking through it. Yeah. You know, but what happens is that you start to realize that those relationships were saying certain things to you without saying it. Mm-hmm. You it was know? implied. So there, there were these undertones, these, yeah. these implied messages, and you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the enemy. He's the uh, accuser of the brethren, right? Yeah. Exactly. So the enemy's always trying to do this. I mean, like it was not even, it was probably just a few days ago when I realized that, you know, I think a lot of the, the, the underlying motives, or not, not even even say motives, because sometimes people don't even know what they're doing half the time, right? You know, mm-hmm. but. The one of the main things that the enemy was trying to get at with those relationships with the attacks was a sense of shame. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like if you feel ashamed because you, you know, if, if someone accuses you of doing something, you know, I was accused of not being forgiving. I was accused of not you know, being a good Christian. Not being a good Christian. Mm-hmm. I was accused, you know, it's it's meant to make you feel shame. Yeah. Like, you know, and shame is it makes you shrink back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like when you're like what it was like Adam was ashamed, so he hid. Yeah. You know? And I think that a big part of shame is you don't show up in yeah. the world like powerfully. Mm-hmm. You don't Your be yourself. Yeah. And I realized I was like, man, there's certain areas I've struggled to really be myself fully. And there's and, and certain areas I've struggled to say pursue dreams, you know, right. or certain goals or what I and, and 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 I wouldn't even know why. Like I'm like I tried, I started, I could only get so far and then I got to a certain part and I, I may have self-sabotaged. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was because of that messaging of shame. Right. You know? And not that, you know, the family members were like calculatedly like, okay, like we're gonna stop him from all his dreams, you know. Right. But you yeah. know, because people people do things many times because they're hurt. Mm-hmm. You know? 
But I realized that that was a message that, that that's some deprogramming. Another big part of deprogramming I had to do was realize I had one family member who their attacks on me always implied this sense of you're not responsible. Yes. And I didn't realize that for years I was actually I was functioning under this um, subconscious thought of almost I'm always trying to prove that I'm that I'm responsible. Yeah. By doing and I made decisions. I made many decisions to abandon dreams, to stop short on pursuits because I wanted to do the responsible thing. Mm. You know, this isn't appropriate to do right now because I have a family or I have to, you know what I mean? Whatever, Mm. you know. And so I would I would make these decisions. I didn't realize man, a lot of that stuff was just subconscious. I, I felt like I was trying to. You know, I was trying to prove that I was responsible. Yeah. And that came out in therapy, by the way. Shout mm-hmm. out to therapy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, like go through the deprogramming. I'm going to just keep going because I, yeah. I can talk on and on about Deprogramming that. is big. So let's just go through the three steps right now. So first step is forgive. Yeah. Um, the Bible tells us to do it. And the caveat to forgiving is that forgiveness is always possible. Reconciliation is not always possible. Yep. Two you can things. it's two completely different things. So reconciliation revolves the full restoration of the relationship. In order for reconciliation to be possible, then there has to be full-on repentance and not just lip service. There has to be a heart change. The offending party has to literally realize they were wrong and then verbally state they were wrong and what they were wrong for and then they have to change their actions and so they have to basically the onus of proof is on them not you right they have to prove that they're trustworthy that they should be let into your life that they're not unsafe people anymore So everything is on them to prove that. But forgiveness, that's between you and God, and that can happen anytime. That is just really talking to God and absolving your heart of any bitterness uh, and hard feelings toward the offending party. And it's not a one and done. You're gonna <laughs> forgiveness yeah. is a is yeah. a process. Yeah. You can forgive and then they could do something stupid or send <laughs> look. I mean, like it could be like, oh, we're having a good day. And then I got involved in some group text thread and people have acted. Hell crazy. by group text. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. So yeah. But you're gonna always have to do that. Yeah, and it's for you. Yeah, forgiveness is easier to go back to your previous point it's easier when you set a boundary yeah that yeah. that that was a big thing that i learned because it was really hard to forgive my family members when they kept doing it yeah <laughs> like, and so i i was thinking because i was still experiencing feelings of anger you know of you know sadness whatever it may be that i hadn't forgiven them i'm just like i'm trying to forgive them <laughs> i'm trying to forgive them where the problem was that I kept putting myself in a situation where they would continue to hurt me. So I had to get out of the situation long enough to be able to look at the situation and even look at them with a sense of compassion, yeah. you know, like that's true. You yeah. know, so, so really coming out, setting the boundaries gave me some room to actually forgive and mm-hmm. to, and it, yeah, it was a process, you know, just I, for me, the process looked like 
be praying for them, literally. Yeah, and that's it's step just, two. Good segue. <laughs> didn't even know that was the yes, next step. So, that's yeah. step two. Pray for your enemies. Yeah. They need prayer, you know, regardless of what they've done, regardless of how heinous it was. They're still children that God created that he loves. I don't wish hell. And they're hell. your family. Look, right. They're your family. Right. I don't wish hell and fire and brimstone on anybody. Yeah. Okay. Or even just not living the full like the fullness of the life God intended for them to live. You can't be that devious and toxic and be in the will of God at the same time. Well, no, and you know it's just not possible. Yeah, and you know, your family, I mean, you know, our families have purpose. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, I believe that there's no, you know, yeah, you have these toxic family situations, but that's nothing but the enemy. You yeah. know, like there's there's so much purpose for families that the enemy is threatened by that. So he brings up these situations mm -hmm. to stop families from being stronger together. So, I mean, while you have to make, you have to go ahead and set the boundaries, praying for them is really important. And you don't have to pray with them. Nah, Chow. don't, don't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know why? Cause, you know why? Cause you can't agree. You can't agree. How can two walk together except they agree? You can't agree if... They think that's okay to hit you upside your head, and you think that, <laughs> there's, that there's something wrong with that. I mean, that right. that that in and of itself is disagreement. So you can't come together in prayer, you know, when there's an ought. Yeah, you know. So we've been we've been get we every so often we receive invites to, you know, family reconciliation prayer call. Prayer call. I mean, we've been added to prayer list on people's church. They've pretty much convinced a good amount of people that we just crazy and need prayer. And that's fine. Whatever narrative you have to tell yourself to avoid accountability, that's fine. We don't have to pray with you. We'll pray for you over here. And the praying is is not like, Lord, make them feel guilty for what they did. Right. No, no. no, 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 no. Like no, literally no, no. praying the, for the, their the, well-being the, the and prayer, for their deliverance. Right. The, the, yeah, do pray for conviction, but really pray, pray to God just be good to them, you know. Yeah. Pray for blessings. Pray over their family. Pray over their finances. You know, pray I mean, their, their minds. I heard someone space. say something like, "Pray what you want for yourself for them." Right. And so, don't pray manipulative prayers. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. pray witchcraft. And, and I mean, the prayers for me, it just softened my heart. Right. So you, know? you can look at them as people. So if I saw them in the street, I wouldn't want to smack them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so let's review. Step one is forgive. Step two is pray for your enemies. So then step three is to deprogram yourself using the word of God, positive affirmations, journaling, therapy, life groups, whatever, your pastor, Listen to all of podcast. the above, <laughs> listening to this podcast, Listen to the rest of the series, reading books, take our quiz too. By yes. The way. Yes. Go to victoriouslivingsolutions.com slash Toxic. We've got a very important quiz for you called, is this relationship toxic? And yeah, it'll help you. It's going to help you. Um, but yeah, do your deprogramming. And that is an ongoing process too. It's It'll be like years removed from the situation before, and you'll still be uncovering different ways mm, that yeah. your family's toxic abuse have impacted you. Yeah. Um, like for me, especially since my first experiences with toxic family abuse happened 
during my formative years. Mm. Uh, that was something I really had to do a lot of deprogramming. And I'm glad that I did. It was nothing but the Holy Ghost that had me to do that at such a young age. Because if I hadn't done my inner work, mm. my deprogramming, you know, and reprogramming myself, you know, with the word of God, I would not have been as prepared to be a good wife, to have the healthy, happy marriage and family life that I have now, because I would have been, I would have easily become embittered, um, just had trust issues, just now, I still got a little bit of trust issues. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Keep it real. It's not, it's not like anything with like us, but like other people. I'm like, mm, You're suspicious. Like, the, no, you literally have PTSD. Like, yeah. I went to therapy, and that was one of the first things she said. She was like, you have PTSD. Yeah. You know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. 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 Like, that's real. When you yeah. go through, it's like being in a war zone. Yeah. Dealing with toxic people and toxic family members. Yeah. I'm glad you do program yourself as well because, right, you dealt with that. And God knows what he's doing, right? Like, he mm -hmm. knows who you need to marry, right? Yeah. So, God knew who I needed to marry because you had already went through that. Mm -hmm. So, I needed someone who could be a support to me as I was starting to walk through these processes myself. Yeah. And I will say that, like, sometimes when you're going through stuff, you have no idea, like, why Man. me? Why is this happening? I feel like if I hadn't, I wouldn't choose to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But since I did, when the issues with his family came up, I was just like, okay, well, at least y'all not sexually <laughs> right, harassing right, right. me and stealing stuff. Y'all right. really think y'all doing something. Y'all light work. I'll just block just... y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just block y'all. So now right, whenever right. y'all are yelling, y'all sound like this. Right. But what 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 is But what? I feel like if I hadn't went through what I went through, that would have been really hurtful. I would have been rocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have yeah, been, it would have been even more uh, hurtful to you. And so yeah, we would have both been We would have both just been real just, tough just place. really bad. I, I feel mean, like I was able to help you a lot yeah, because yeah. of my past experiences. I was like, child, been there, done that, got the t shirt. Here's yeah, what you need to do. Exactly. I yeah. mean, yeah, you were you were pretty resilient. <laughs> <laughs> yes so that's pretty much all we have i hope this has been helpful do you have any final thoughts before we log off or look man family is a good thing you know family is a good thing i mean we're talking about toxic relationships and families but once again the person that even it has the toxicity that's you know maybe in a relationship with you they're a person yes yeah. they're still a person and now they're being puppet stringed by yeah, demons. Yeah, they, they, exactly. They're being puppet stringed by they demons. Might, they might have a few of them. Yeah. But <laughs> but there's still, still a person that God and, loves. Right. There's still someone that God loves. And yeah. so, um, man, still have a good heart. You know, like don't become bitter. Like that was the main thing I wanted to guard against. I did not want to become bitter. So I encourage people, you know, go ahead and forgive, go through that whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, separate if you have to in order to forgive. So that you can see them for who God sees them to be, you know, I mean, yeah. and so you can still have like a degree of softness in your heart for them. Mm -hmm. So, yep. oh, I know what. Before we sign off, let's um, debunk a few myths, toxic family myths. Okay. This is just I just thought of this up for of, top of my head. So one common toxic family myth. But that's family. <laughs> but that's family. You are not obligated yeah. Looking dead at the camera. <laughs> you are not obligated to put up with someone's crap 
just for an endless amount of offenses and years just because that's family. The devil is a lie and his booty stank. Do not put up with it, okay? Stuff that you wouldn't put up with from total strangers, you would tell them to get gone real quick. Don't put up with it from your family either. Okay, so that's one. Yep. Can you think of any? Um, they're just like that. That's yes. That's just, that's that's just, just how, how they, they are. are. Just don't mind them. That's just yeah, how they you are. Just have, baby, you just have to <laughs> no, look over you, them. No, you, you need to mind them because yeah. how they are needs to change if mm-hmm. it's toxic. Yeah. And let me tell you that. Thank you for saying that one because <laughs> the reason why toxic family members are allowed to stay toxic for as long as they're toxic is because of other family members supporting their toxic crap. Yeah. If everyone would collectively get together and tell the toxic person, hey, you're being a turd and ostracize them, they would be over there by themselves thinking about their turd-like behavior. Like, or they'd have to find another to- another want, family to be I want toxic some, to. I want some barbecue too, yeah. but they won't invite me to the cookout no more yeah. because well, yeah, I'm I, over here with the toxic dunks I mean, but, but Let me get my act together. That's something real. I mean, yeah. and see, had we not gone through this, we wouldn't have those standards for our kids. Right. So we don't allow like one of our kids to be to, to ruin things, you know, for the mm-hmm. other kids because they want to be toxic or they want to act up or whatever, they get removed. Mm-hmm. So you go, your, you go sit in your room and think about what you've done. They get removed. We'll be out here having <laughs> snacks and watching TV and having fun. And when you're ready to stop, you can come out and join us. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's the only one. That that's the only myth I could think of is the idea that you just got to you know that dealing with a person's toxicity is not the same as dealing with who they really are. Yeah. You know? Yeah, those are the the best two I can think of. Forgive and forget. Oh. <laughs> this is man. This could be a whole other. <laughs> Let me stop. This could be a whole other episode called "Things Manipulative People Say." <laughs> Forgive and forget, baby. That's just in the past. You just gotta look over that. We we've moved we've on. Moved on. Right, we, it's right. been long enough. We have moved on. So what time can we expect you at dinner on Sunday? Yeah. Uh, Five minutes after never, because ain't none of y'all Negroes apologized. <laughs> yeah. You can't force me into a reconciliation with the good old forgive and forget. Like, Yeah, there's no such thing. I mean, the re- well, I would say, why don't you, why don't you, you want to make sure you don't forget? You better not forget. Look. You better not forget. Forgive and remember. Like, <laughs> Forgive and remember. And I think people take that whole idea out of context from scripture. Straight out of context. You know, God throws, you know, your sins in the sea, sea of, of forgetfulness. forgetfulness. If that's the case, then why when Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't he just forget about it? Why didn't he just say, hmm. never mind, no, no problem. I've thrown that out. No, he, he, he kicked them out. He's like, I forgive you and all, but you got to get out this garden. He was still in a relationship with him. Yeah. But he said, you can't, but you can't be in here no, no more. Yeah. So, Some... so God had boundaries, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and before any of you are like, well, that was Old Testament. Well, Jesus had boundaries too. Mm-hmm. He put, that part. He put people out too. Remember the, the the girl he was raising from dead? Yeah. He put all them folks out of the house. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, he was trying to look. Now, that's the key point. When a move of God is trying to take place, some people have to be jettisoned out of the picture because the move of God can't take place with them people in there. Like people who are toxic, they're saying things of words of unbelief, causing you to doubt yourself. And God is trying to move. He's trying to get some stuff to you and through you. Okay, so you know how we just said that major, you know, relationship changes like 
funerals or yeah, you know, weddings, childbirth. Well, also, when you're trying to go after something, yes, it could be all getting, acquiring sudden, land or trying to you change just, your family you might financial decide, picture. You could decide I'm going back to school. I'm going to pursue a dream. I'm going to start a business. You'd be surprised. All of a sudden, here comes the devil. All of a sudden, <laughs> whatever toxic you know mm-hmm. relationships were around, you might try to emerge. Yep, um, right at so, the time. And so that's the enemy, and, and I've seen that happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right when I'm about to go for something, all of a sudden I get a, you know a text or a phone call. So you know, yeah, be be aware of that. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna be quiet. Can talk, can talk about this <laughs> this episode is gonna be four hours long, <laughs> but I thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you got something out of. My story and out of Rodney's story, I hope we've greatly encouraged you. Go to victoriouslivingsolutions.com slash toxic and take the Is My Relationship Toxic quiz. And that's all we have for you today. Keep living victoriously. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 